0: Yo, what's up? Today is December 6, 2008, and tonight is Saturday, therefore, henceforth, we have a Saturday night Theory 11 roundtable discussion. This night uh, is special because we have a special guest, not just me, although I'm special. My mom said I was special. Uh, We have Doug McKenzie on the line. Doug, can you hear me okay? Hey, how are you? I'm glorious, and you are where? And with whom? Uh, I'm in New York City. And you're with whom? I'm with Ricky Smith. The Ricky Uh, Smith. Ricky Richard Clifton Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just make up Clifton? Please
1: tell me no. No, that,
0: that, is, that is Ricky's
1: actual name, Clifton. You heard it. And here if first. you call Ricky's voicemail, it says you've reached Richard Clifton Smith. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is verified. <laughs> there we go. Okay. That's good. It's good to know. Everyone learned something tonight already. Um, before we go anything further, before we say anything further, I'd like to make an announcement. Uh, if we, everyone, Before we start this podcast, go up to the top of your browser window and click on the artist section at Theory 11. If you clear your cache or clear your temporary internet files, you should see a new artist addition to that page. And it is Doug McKenzie. Um, And Doug um, wanted to make sure he was different than the other artists that were on that page and wanted to make sure the word artist was properly pronounced as it is in his home country of wherever he's from. Um, And so he wants to have it pronounced as what? Um, artiste would be uh, would be suffice. <laughs> artiste. And so we try to do this, and we try to have it with an accent mark on the eye of artiste, artist whatever. Um, but apparently that our system doesn't work like that, and it did not like that, and it gave us an error message. So if everyone at home will just take out a Sharpie or a, a, uh, preferably a whiteout pen and just make a small accent mark over the eye on the artist page for Doug and on your monitor um, and blame if your parents ask what happened, just tell them the dog did it or Ricky Smith did it, Clifton, Clifton, mm-hmm. so anyway, but check out the artist page, you'll see a bunch of questions that Doug answered that were awesome, and there's a lot of overlap between the questions you guys asked tonight, and the questions that are on that page, but check it out, and it's cool, and there's a super sexy picture of Doug on there too. I think we'd all agree. Very photo- very photoshopped, by the way. I know, yeah, well, it's, it's actually not your face, <laughs> it's Tom Cruise mixed with Doug's facial expressions, and It's Arnold Schwarzenegger in my face exactly exactly the body of which is actually your real body to be honest but <laughs> um, so we got a lot of questions tonight to go through and not a lot of time to get through them so I will try to get to them immediately like right now um, the first question uh, we're gonna just get through as many as we can comes from I wanna yo-yo uh, apparently he likes to yo-yo um, I don't know where he's from but his question is pretty straightforward he says who was your biggest inspiration on your path of magic who has inspired you the most to, from where you started to where you are today
1: um, There's a few, you know. When I first started into magic, of course, I didn't know much about magic. so My big influences were people that I came across in New York City. Um, the first guy I really actually saw doing magic that I really liked um, was a guy named Magic Belay. and I was about 15 years old. And I, you know, didn't really know anything about magic, and he was stealing watches and doing magic with cigarettes and things like that. And it was the first time I really noticed that magic wasn't funny rabbits and top hats. It was, you know. Something that could be cool. Um, So that was the first guy. But then, you know, as as I started reading books and getting into magic, um, I came across some other cool cats. Um, Chank Canasta is one of my big ones. Um, Juan Tamariz, another huge um, idol of mine, uh, Pitt Hartling. Uh, David Stone. David Stone fried the hell out of me. He came to New York for a lecture, and I uh, actually stayed at my house, um, and we went out to a bar, and he just me over and over again he's got such strong misdirection he was producing shoes and beer bottles and you know it was uh, at a, a bar that i always go to and work on new material and literally i was screaming like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> uh, and david stone was <laughs> doing magic for me you know um who else leonard green i love leonard green stuff um david blaine of course and bill kaloush kaloush um, shout out to ricky smith ricky clifton smith is
0: there any magician you didn't just name um who didn't i name i'm pretty um, sure um you didn't what's name. his name uh denner garcia brian tudor i didn't name brian tudor listen no, ask yeah, anybody tudor, i like brian <laughs> ask anybody you like brian tudor <laughs> that's, that's, how that's how it came awesome. up in the world <laughs> anyways to the next question uh magic shadow nine um he posts his post number is 12 and he basically you, you mentioned david blaine in the last one but he's asking what is it like working with one of the most well-known magicians in the world magic is traditionally a very niche a very small um industry um or that doesn't have a lot of visibility in the mainstream but you work for and you work with one of those guys that does so what is that like what has their experience been how did that come about um
1: that's a lot of questions um it's awesome david is is Uh, Apart from being a very good magician, he's a very good friend of mine at this point. And, um, you know, I've I've had the chance for the past years to get to know David very well. um, He's not an ego or money-driven guy. He's he's one of the nicest guys that I know, Uh, extremely intelligent, Um, looks at magic from a very different perspective than anybody else that I've met, um, which is very refreshing. And um, yeah, he's awesome. Um, he, you know, every time you show him something, he, he has his own take on it and is always full of ideas. Um, things that, you know, you wouldn't expect,
0: expect so, yeah. expected, expected, awesome. Um, a, a different question along a different topic. This is the next one in the thread by hijacked magic post number 13, Were you ever teased or made fun of in school for doing magic. And as a side note to that, tell him a little bit about your school history, because you've been to school in about 19,000 countries.
1: Um, you know, I was never teased for doing magic in school because I never did magic in school. Magic was something that I did for myself, and I didn't actually perform magic for other people until um, I moved to New York um, when I went to college. But um, basically, I went to boarding school, and that's when I got into magic. Um, I had nothing else to do. I had study hall every night for two hours, and I'd finish my homework. And I was actually a proctor, which meant that I had to monitor study hall and give people detentions and stuff. Um, so I could do whatever I wanted, so I'd study magic, and I used to actually practice, and I had a few people I'd show to, like close friends, but it was never, you know, something I would have known in school for being the magic guy or anything like that. And then when I moved to New York to go to college, um, I met another magician in Washington Square Park, actually, who eventually became my roommate for a couple years. Um, His name is Rory Wheeler, which, he doesn't do magic anymore. Um, He kind of fell out of the scene. And I went out with Rory one night to a bar, and we were I was 18, he was 20, I think. And of course, you know, you need ID to get into bars, but he did magic for the bouncer at the door, we walked right in, and then um, he started doing magic for a group of people, and made 50 bucks for his first tip. And he's like, why don't you do another table? Do a table over there, see what you can make. And of course, I didn't want to, I didn't really perform for people. And then um, a couple of shots of underage tequila later, and... uh <laughs>
0: Non-alcoholic tequila.
1: Non-alcoholic tequila. I made a uh, five bucks. No, maybe twenty bucks or something. I forget. Um, but no, I was never teased in school for it. It was it was something I did for myself. I just
0: you were teased after school
1: myself. I was teased after school. Yeah. Well, I lived in school. It was a boarding school. Um, I grew up in I grew up in Saudi Arabia. So everyone kind of went to boarding school after ninth grade because the American education system ended at ninth grade. So it was pretty much the norm to go to boarding school, and that was pretty boring, so um, it just kind of fell
0: into place there. Um, interesting question on a totally different topic as well. This is about uh, creating magic, and you can relate this to you personally creating effects, or you might just want to go over the process of what you guys go through and collaborating on create, creation for you know the specials and whatever else. He says, what's your creative process when creating tricks? Do you sit around by yourself trying to think of things randomly? Do you get inspiration from people and things around that you see? Um, do you jam with other people and develop ideas that way, et cetera? What have you found to be the most effective way to create new magic?
1: Um, there's a lot of different ways, actually. It's, um, I get influenced by a lot of things. I'm, I'm very, I'm a big technology buff, so I read a lot about technology and new developments in technology. And sometimes I read something and I'll, you know, try and figure out a way to use that technology and something magical. If people are not familiar with that technology, then it's, you know, you have a one up on them. Um, so that's one way. Um, as far as developing magic for the special. Uh, sometimes we are submitted ideas, and then maybe the idea doesn't fit us exactly. But we can, you know, start from that idea and, and go off on tangents and create something completely different that uh, was inspired by another idea. And it's not sitting around by myself. You know, be myself, David, Bill Kalush. Um, we'll sit around Dan White, and we'll sit around Danny Garcia, and just throw around some ideas. You know, um, and then the Flicking Fingers have a very cool exercise where you take um, a classic effect in magic. And then you basically just make a list and you just change one word each time. So, so you know, you could start with card on sealing, and then you could say card in sealing, and you could say coin in sealing, and you just keep going down this list until some kind of new effect develops and you can, um, you know, create, create something from that, you know, and you always start with like, you know, the final idea and work backwards. I think it's better to, uh, not base your ideas on, on methods that you know, but rather create, and effects, and then research methods. I think that's a a better way to go about it. I think magic becomes a lot more impossible and dynamic that way.
0: Um, A question from Ailey, A-Y-L-I, number 22. He says, uh, give us a little bit of a background on what what it was like working with the Fringe cast. Um, Why were you chosen to be the hand double other than your silky smooth sexy hands? And uh, why did the producers choose to add in those little pieces of magic into the episode?
1: Um, J.J. Abrams, who's the producer and writer of Fringe also have lost, and Cloverfield is a huge magic fan. Um, one of the, the podcasts I love to watch is TED Talks, and there's actually a TED Talks um, episode that has an interview with J.J. Abrams where he talks about how he went to Tannins as a kid, and he got or as a gift he got one of those mystery boxes, which is basically a box filled with a bunch of crap that they couldn't sell um, for a special price. But uh, he never opened his mystery box because he liked the idea of not knowing what was inside of it. It's a um, so he's a big ma- big magic fan. So he um, obviously wrote um, magic into the character description of Joshua Jackson. Um, I don't really watch the fringe, um, but basically what happened was I get a call at ten thirty in the morning saying, we need you to come to the studio. I got the call through uh, my business partner. They called him and um, they looked they were looking for someone that was you know similar uh, skin color and build as Joshua Jackson and had some technical proficiency with corns. So he calls me and 40 minutes later, I was in Silvercup uh, silver cup studios in <laughs> Long Island city. So it was a pretty last minute thing. And they told me that it was like a last minute addition to the script. Uh, we filmed the scene twice, once with the coin sequence, once without it. Um, and then basically there was, you know, I spoke to the director and I spoke to Josh and we, you know, figured out Josh was left-handed and, you know, um, which hand he should be holding up to roll the coins and just trying to figure out a way to get it to merge and what the script was and what type of coin vanish I could do. And it was a little bit difficult because I didn't really have a monitor that I could see what my angles were or um, what the vanish looked like. You know, so we shot it maybe three times and I was pretty blind into it and pretty blind coming out of it. So it was a little bit, um,
0: was the first time stressful. you saw it on the show?
1: First time I saw it was on the show. I hadn't seen it. You know, I literally showed up, did this thing for 20 minutes, and then, uh, you know, that was it, left. Um, but they did say they were going to use some more magic sequences in other episodes, and that they would call me for future things. So we'll see what happens.
0: You'll be famous. Score. You'll be famous. <laughs> next time you uh, next time you have one of those appearances, you should dye your arm hair a different color, so it'll be able to tell it to you. Like pink or green. I
1: should, right? Or I should I should write in chapstick or soap something in my arm yes. that um you know might might get revealed. Maybe I should put some you know some kind of uh ultraviolet sensitive light uh, ink <laughs> on my arm. So they so won't see it, it till it it's an filming. editing. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. I'll, um, talk, I'll do shout outs with your eleven. Exactly. I expect an eleven on your arm, or just put like hold up two number ones or something.
1: I'm gonna groom my hair to grow in one direction. This is 11.
0: Just two streaks of hair. That'll look completely normal. No one will notice anything. I think it'll be fine. Or, or you just do a subtle dye, you know, like do
1: do some kind of stencil work with a subtle dye on, your, on my arm. With uh, you know, It could be that like one side of the hair is dyed one color and the other side another color. So as I twist my arm, the 11 twinkles.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As it should, as it should. A question from Magician magician DM, question is post number 41. Um, I've personally, I, I'm speaking before I read the question. I said I've personally been to Doug's, uh, his penthouse in New York City, where he is probably right now. Um, and Doug, at least I'd say between 5 and 10% of the square footage of your place is occupied by magic books. So his question is, what are your favorite books on card magic?
1: Um... Card fictions, uh, definitely I love card fictions, uh, which is Pit Hartling's book. Um, Mnemonica, uh, Expert at the Card Table. Ricky's doing a little score thing right now. Um, What else? Let me go into my room and look. What else? Ricky's pulling his Expert at the Card Table out of his back pocket. (laughs) What else do I like? Um, Card magic specifically. I think those are my favorites.
0: What about coin magic? Just to expand the question a little bit. Um, you know,
1: what? I don't really read a lot of books in coin magic. Um, all the, the coin magic stuff I learned, I mean, I have Bobo, and I, I like that. And I try and, you know, some of the moves in Bobo, you can adapt to card magic. Um, you know, I do a thing where if a card drops during my show or whatever, I do a coin move with a card to make the card vanish as I pick it up from the ground uh, straight out of Bobo. So you can adapt some of those coin moves to cards as well, you know. It's, uh, so I don't really see the books as being exclusive one thing or another. I mean, right. you, can, you can mix and match. Um, but also, like, I like uh, Out of Control, Chris Kenner, of course, That's awesome. Uh, Williamson's Wonders has some awesome things in there, too. Um, but my favorites, of course, are Expert at the Card Table, Mnemonica, and Card Fictions. Actually, I travel with Mnemonica all the time. That's, like, my one book, and Expert of the Card Table. Those are the two books I literally travel with. I have uh, sticky notes in, in all of those books.
0: Um, you spoke about books. The next question is from magic Man 384 so he's, he's asking about YouTube. Um, he's asking, do you feel YouTube is ruining magic, helping magic? Uh, why or why not? What do you think the influence is of YouTube or like these new media sites and et cetera, technology, on magic? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Is it both?
1: I think it's a positive. I think you should embrace technology and magic. Um, I think... Anytime that you can bring magic um, to the general public's eye, and they get to think about it, then the more chances that there are to think about hiring a magician for your party or uh, put magic in an ad. You know, I think magic is is um, a very powerful thing that can be used for I think many it's
0: a- purposes. Uh, right. I think it's both. Um, I think, you know, you can't deny a new technology. It's like with politics. Politics has... YouTube's had a huge effect on politics. Politicians have to be careful what they're saying. Everything can be uh, dissected. Right. I mean,
1: if, if you're using YouTube to exploit magic, that's different, you know? Like, right.
0: It's, it can be both. To,
1: to share a secret or or to, um, you
0: know... It can have a bad else, effect, correct. If it's But it's like... It,
1: it, it, It can, but either way, it's here to stay, and I think we should try and take advantage of it. There are a lot of great effects um, that use YouTube, for example, as a way of doing magic, you know? Correct. You know, prediction or or whatever. So I think there's some very clever ways of of incorporating that into magic. It has to be understood, Yeah. I don't think it's ruining it. I, I just think, you know, we need to learn to embrace these things. And
0: it's like saying YouTube ruining politics. It's not. It's it, They just need to embrace it. I mean, with Obama, for example, he did a lot of interaction on YouTube and using it to get the message out. With magic, it has the same potential. It reaches a different audience. Magic's a visual art form, so why wouldn't such a visual art form you know be totally madly in love with a way to visually reach a lot of people which is what YouTube does so I think it does have a huge positive effect but yes there's some danger areas as well with exposure and whatnot so let me ask you the next question <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, here, you, you just read the rest of the questions that's fine um, questions from Tally Ho Tally Ho uh, post number 50 do you prefer card magic or coin magic and why
1: um, I like both. I think both have... Um, it depends on the situation. You know, I think... If I'm out, I think sometimes coin magic is a little bit more impromptu-looking. I like magic that looks impromptu, like there's no setup, and sometimes carrying a deck of cards implies that you are ready to do magic for people, whereas if you borrow a coin, uh, or do something with... Things that are literally in your pockets that are not abnormal to carry around. Um, it can be pretty powerful. Um, but I do love card magic. I think there's some amazing... Uh, things you can do with a deck of cards, including flourishes and um, just mentalism stuff and Ricky Smith stuff.
0: Uh, <laughs> Rick <laughs> Smith <laughs> things.
1: So I don't, I don't really have a preference one over the other. I just think it's very situational. I don't, you know, it's also a mood thing. Like, what do I feel like doing at that moment? Um, there are times when I want to work on, you know, a new coin move, so I will specifically not carry a deck of cards with me for a week. Just so that the only thing I have in my pocket is the coins. if someone says do magic, that's the only thing I can do. You and know? you
0: also do other stuff, too. Like I've seen you do productions and vanishes with cell phones and other objects and stuff that are just around. Yeah.
1: Pickpocketing, Make- I think that's one of my favorite things to do. If I could do anything, um, you know, one trick for the rest of my life it would be some pickpocketing, I think.
0: That's how you know, got think- all of your favorite gadgets, right? it is that's how I've gotten all of your favorite gadgets actually <laughs> exactly Exactly. his iMac he pickpocketed actually he put it in his back pocket he wove exactly. his special pants and an apron you, you know I think the iMac was designed by
1: a magician actually it's the way that it's beveled and the shiny side and the, the, the black you know it's, it's
0: like a base it's like a but b- yeah
1: I, I, I did um, I did steal that
0: um, <laughs> A question from coastal dude He's, uh, this is some more wide reaching question it's post number 57 what's your overall advice for becoming a well-known magician? Um, what's your overall, uh, what advice would you offer someone that's new to magic or someone young that's coming up in magic to, to actually be well known to be respected to be successful?
1: Well, I don't think that you can become well known based on solely on other people's ideas, right? I think you have to develop something that's yours and unique that sets you apart from everybody. And you can use other people's ideas as a jumping point. I mean, what what I am really good at, I think, is starting with someone's idea and then changing it to fit me or my handling or, you know, starting from there and developing it into something completely different, you know, uh, even taking old ideas and modernizing them somehow, you know, incorporating technology or uh, something else into them to make them uh, mine.
0: Um, and that can be style, but really too. really, I think, what's that? And that can be style, too, not only just a new technique. Yeah, or, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the magic. Like, for example, um, something I learned working
1: with Marco Tempest was movement, right? Everyone says your, your movements have to be natural, and that's not necessarily true because if your movements are all stylized, then that style of movement becomes natural because everything else has been that style of movement, right? So it's all in comparison to what your movement is. And I, what I want to do is, like, with coin magic, if you just saw my hands, you could tell it was me by not necessarily the moves that I'm doing, but how my hands move, right? How, you know, is the coin tossed casually between the hands? Is it placed very specifically? Kind of like Leonard Green. If you watch Leonard Green do magic with cards, you know it's Leonard just by how the cards are in his hands and how he grips them and the tension in his hands and whatnot. And so, you know, I mean, there's even very simple things like that that you can use to distinguish yourself from other people. Um, You know, it's not just the effects that you do. It's how you actually do them.
0: Trying to get a few more questions in before we have to roll. Uh, This is from Squirrel, but it's no I. It's just S-Q-U! Exclamation point. R-R-E-L. Blind Squirrel. Yes, Squirrel. Um, yeah, it's a blind squirrel, exactly. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, no eyes. Post number 68, He there was a separate Theory 11 forum post about this, I think it was yesterday, that I even chimed in on two. He's saying, do you, uh, why do you believe some spectators perceive magic as a puzzle or a challenge? They simply try to work out how it's done and almost seem to miss the point of the magic or the entertainment value of the appreciation thereof. What do you think causes that and what do you think is the solution to that?
1: Um, I think it's a few things. I think it's it starts off with the performer's attitude. If the performer is very confrontational, then it, of course the most confrontational from the other side, right? Um, it also has to do with the other person. You know, If you have someone that's very analytical, um, I have I have Google as one of my clients. I do magic shows for all the time. And you know, for the first five minutes of Google, uh, those Google shows, people are very analytical and want to, they want to catch me. And then you break down that wall and then for the rest of the show they just love it and don't care anymore. And Bontemarie has a whole essay written about that. You know, and about giving false solutions, and you know, really not giving people uh, an out. So they literally, at some point, just give in. Uh, as far as it being a puzzle, um, it could also be a choice of your material. You know, like if you, if you have a a trick that's uh, that's based on being a puzzle, it could be your presentation on a trick. You know, it it could be a lot of things. I think. I think there's a way to take anything and make it magical, you know, depending on the moment, say something comes, you know, you induce a challenge from somebody, then no matter what, and you're already prepared for the challenge, right? So no matter what you do, even if it is normally a puzzle, um, you know, it can be magical, you know, for a Rubik's cube, for example, I mean, that's, that's a puzzle that you can make something magical. Um, Take uh, it one, depends. It's a number of factors.
0: Uh, one last question. Uh, we have time for this. is on the last page of uh, the thread. and It's by Mitchell Stafage. Stafage. I, I don't. I can't pronounce his last name. I give up. I gave up on it like six months ago. Mitchell Stufage. Stafage. Stafier. Whatever. <laughs> and he's saying, "Is there is there one particularly crazy, funny, or hilarious moment you have uh, from working with David or the crew or on the road? Um, anything um, that comes to mind? A funny story."
1: Um, there are lots. There are so many Any that are mine, particularly uh,
0: appropriate? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know which ones are appropriate, but um, I'm sure at some point there's going to be some outtakes from from David's shows that will will publish somewhere, either on DVD or, or somewhere. You know, David's not one to, you know, David likes to have fun as well. He's, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of things that were very funny. Um, I think you should stay tuned for those. Um, not not saying that they are actually coming out, but you know, there's just too many to to even think of. I mean,
0: most of them are too vulgar uh, or perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, like Danny. When Danny when Danny broke his foot, that was really funny. <laughs> that
0: was really hilarious.
1: No, <laughs> no the thing was funny about Ben actually is we went. We took Danny to the ER room in Texas, and it was like um, a very religious hospital, and people literally like. Praying over his foot, and there are people. There are people a lot more sick than Danny, but they had a vigil. These random people came up to us and had a vigil over Danny's foot. And you know, for me, it was it was kind of hard to keep a straight face. I, you know, I think religion's a personal thing, and people can do whatever they want for themselves. But to put it in someone else's face is a little bit or foot, different. Or foot. And, <laughs> for foot for broken foot. It wasn't like Danny was like screaming in pain. He was just chilling in, in, in a wheelchair, waiting to be seen, you know. And for like a family of four people to come over and like hold their hands over him, like they're doing a coin bend or something, right, And to heal his foot. Uh, that was a little bit crazy, and uh, you know, I did have to leave the, the room at one point because um, it's just it was. <laughs> and then there was uh, what do
0: you call it? Gator boots. That was another funny story that we posted last week. Oh, uh, the... gator
1: boots was awesome
0: he was awesome so check out that media section video you know, I, I, still,
1: I still talk to which he calls me all the time he has a cell phone? He's a, yeah he has a cell phone <laughs> <laughs> he's from not. Philadelphia no <laughs> <laughs> they do have cell phones in Philadelphia it's possible
0: um, and do you have any questions for Ricky is, is my last question to you
1: <laughs> do you have any questions for Ricky Ricky will you teach me that thing you did last night <laughs> Ricky, Ricky blew my mind. Ricky's awesome. He literally, like, he busts things out all the time. Mind blowing. I think, I think, I think Ricky needs to be a theory eleven artiste. Day, like, yeah. just to one up me and the, <laughs> the
0: artiste. You got to come up with another pre- uh, pronunciation for artist first. That's the first step. I did artiste. Day. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I know, but just you know, add another two accents instead of one. Uh, brilliant. It's revolutionary. It's a concept. Okay, that wraps things up. I think we gotta we got a hit to export on this thing, so it'll be up in time for the end of this uh contest. But thanks to Doug McKenzie and uh thanks to Ricky Smith for his great, exciting uh addition towards the end of this podcast. But hopefully we by, got through. By the
1: way, Ricky's doing perfect table pharaoh shuffles in front of me right now.
0: I can hear them, I can feel them, <laughs> I can feel them in my loins. Um, so we got through most of the questions. We got through 10 pages of them sporadically, on and off. But of course, if you oh, guys you're... have additional questions, we'll try to get Doug to actually come on the forums Rick, and Rick, answer some more.
1: Ricky just missed. Sorry, Ricky just missed one card It his perfect
0: chair. Fail, fail, fail. <laughs> 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 cool. All
1: right, well, that's all we
0: got for this week, uh, guys. Check in next week for next week's Saturday night contest, whatever it is. And uh, thanks again to Doug McKenzie. And uh, peace out. Doug, I love you. Peace out, Cub Scout. Exactly. All right,
1: bye. Peace in the Middle East.